0: talking the terror, the terror infamy. We got some pretty amazing things happening in this episode called My Sweet Boy. And with me today is Kinte, who's going to be co-hosting and talking about all things the terror.
1: Yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, this episode tonight. Uh, I know we're a little late. Uh, hopefully, uh, the next episode, we will be more on time with
0: I feel sort of like this episode, sometimes it takes a little while because you get lost in the ether. So we'll just, we'll, we'll say that that's what happened to us. Okay. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, so, you know, I am going to start out by saying that this episode, although some people really didn't like it, I really enjoyed this episode a lot for a number of different reasons that sort of took me off guard. Um, but before I talk about what I was thinking about it, what did you think? How did you what did you think about just the overall premise of uh, of Chester heading into the afterlife and what that might mean in terms of where things are looking like they're going to end up?
1: i am um, be honest with you. It was OK. I, I, I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. Um, I just felt like it was uh, all right. And remember, I thought this was the the season finale, and <laughs> uh, and um, I was thinking like this is not a very good season finale. But I guess you know it didn't feel like a season finale. And, and the reason why because it was not one. Yes,
0: to so, everyone who listened uh, last week and was I'm sorry, led astray by me saying that it was the season finale. I am so sorry. I don't even know what I was thinking, but no, it definitely wasn't the season finale and good thing it wasn't because there would have been a lot of, uh, hanging open storylines going on there. Uh-huh. So, so, okay. It just, uh, you didn't, you weren't super excited about it and you didn't hate it. Was there no. anything about this episode that you liked more than you didn't like?
1: Um, I liked uh, C. Thomas Howe getting beat down.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> that was pretty awesome.
0: That was actually pretty awesome. He, I, I have to say, you know, th- that must have been a really tough role to step into, uh, mostly because I'm sure they knew where things were going, right? And to know that you're going to end up in the position that he ends up in, it, it must have been a tough pill to sort of go through and not sort of be the big tough guy uh the, the you know the all that bluster and stuff that's around there's no redeeming him at this point he's he's pretty much irredeemable <clears throat> i kind of feel bad for him actually but awesome performance you're right absolutely awesome
1: yeah you know it's funny um just to be honest i never really saw him as uh like this great actor but as he's gotten older I, uh, I'm talking about C. Thomas Howe. Uh and maybe I just was, uh, maybe he just didn't get the opportunities. Um, but in this, he's really good, and I've seen awesome him. In, I've seen him in some other things too, where I felt like that he did a, a, a good job. So um, kudos to him.
0: It's funny. Um, later in in people's acting careers, sometimes I feel like they are sort of like, well, I've, I have nothing to lose. I, and i don't mean that in a uh in a you know i'm giving up way i mean that in a very serious you know look i've acted my whole life i know what this is all about i really have nothing to lose i'm just going to give it everything and it's quite interesting what results that sort of brings in because you're right he i mean and it it does feel like he's really playing that all the way to the end it does not feel like he's holding anything back i, I you're right i actually really like him too
1: Remember he did one of the worst freaking movies of all time? Uh, Soul Man. Oh, gosh. Oh, man. If, if a movie can be charged with a crime.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah, that was pretty bad. Yeah. I agree. Well, one of my favorite parts of this episode, you know, if we're going to deconstruct everything to sort of go through it really quick, I mean, one of the things that in the beginning, of course, Um, we see that Chester has decided to stay. Um, They, you know, they sort of have what feels like an uneasy relationship. He and Luz have kind of an uneasy relationship. And eventually throughout the episode, obviously they get much closer and it does feel like um, they've reconciled on some level. I don't know on what level that is, but it does feel like they've reconciled in some way. Mm -hmm. Uh, Uh So much of this episode relates to Chester's search for his twin. Um, And I'll get to what happens at the camp in a minute, but I'm going to stick with Chester and Luce for a second. Um, This idea that Luce is somehow um, a... uh, a, not a foil, but a... um, I guess I'd call her a threshold guardian. She is absolutely the... um, the 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 person that kind of holds Chester back from maybe his, not his bad self, but his most uh, spontaneous ideas. And each time that she tries to hold him back, he continues to go forward and says, no, 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 no I'm going to totally do this. And I mean, we see that when she tries to tell him not to go off to be the translator. And then, you know, we definitely see it here when she says, look, you know, why are you going to go do this seance thing. This doesn't even make any sense to me. You shouldn't do it. And he just barges right ahead and does it anyway. Uh, Something that I find so fascinating about this episode is this mixture between the sort of uh, Abuela's uh, idea of the dead and and how she transports him and Chester's obvious... And this is not, that's not his mythology or his spirituality, I should say. It's not his spirituality. This isn't where he's coming from. And the fact that they are able to crisscross lines is sort of a little bit of awesome, right? Because it, it's kind of like putting the supernatural realm in the terror above everything else, you know, look, it doesn't matter what you believe or whether you believe or whether you believe in something on a different level. What matters is this stuff exists and there are all different ways to channel what's going on here. I really liked that. I thought that was kind of amazing. Um, So just to kind of wrap up where we were with Chester and Luce, though, when Chester crosses over did first of all did you even like the séance not the séance but did you like the uh the ceremony that basically the ritual that brings him back to the world of where his twin is
1: yeah i mean i thought that was pretty cool um that was that was a good uh element of the show
0: i thought it was really clever on a number of different levels that you know he shows up at a playground um he can clearly tell that you know his brother didn't survive. But what's interesting also on that level is that somehow Yuko follows Chester into that world to get his twin. Because we know, just sort of as a narrative timeline, that Chester's twin died many, many, many years ago. And so the fact that Yuko didn't sort of put two and two together in other, well, not, I guess not put two and two together, but wasn't able to get to Chester's twin, I think says something about Chester, right? Somehow the supernatural element that's around Chester allowed go to sort of attach on or get, you know, uh, get a foothold in. And that's how she was able to find his twin. That That was really fascinating to me. What
1: did you think no i no i agree um i I think that the one thing that this show does is it does, they do a great job of um of really giving you these elements that I'm sure many people are, or maybe i maybe I shouldn't even say this or may not be aware of as far as um the cultural stuff right right, right. and um so you know once again, I have to say that these are things that i'd heard of but not necessarily was familiar with right and uh it really that is when i think sometimes show shows at its best is when it 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 like uh takes you into this world
0: yeah there's um there there's this uh there's this very old sort of understanding about uh pictures of a person and how pictures of a person can capture a little bit of their soul. And we saw something very similar when uh, Chester's mom uh, cuts Chester's hair before he goes off to be the translator and says, uh, you know, or you, uh, I'm sorry, Luz asks why she needed that. And then we get the explanation that if he dies, then, you know, a little piece of him is here and then he can have a proper burial. Well, well, an interesting aspect is that there's also that same kind of sort of understanding in pictures where pictures are considered to be, they capture a a piece of a person's soul. And so I, I found that piece to be so fascinating because the the ritual itself, right, was sort of it, it had to do with uh with Chester's brother's picture. It had to do with um the the ceremonial circle, the the candles, the just all the little things made that uh that little piece really, really uh, rich and very epic. So uh, to not to get too far off, but I, I really wanted to know what you thought of Chester's interaction with his twin.
1: Oh, I thought it was cool. I thought it was really good. And it was very emotional. Weren't, didn't you find, didn't you get that?
0: Yeah, I did. I. It was very emotional. I, I mean, on the one hand, we know that Chester now knows that his twin is dead. So, I mean, there's no coming back from that. On the other hand, it felt almost like there was a sense of closure. Um, mm-hmm. And it, that is brought into stark relief the, the, the piece that happens after where Yuko basically comes in and, you know, says, I'm your mom. And then when they disappear, of course, the sand, right, when they disappear into the sandbox, um, it, it definitely felt like, I, I can't tell if what was happening there was Yuko is still pining for Tizo chester or whether this is something different that she really just wants to be someone's mom and oh look chester brought me to another way that i can be a mom i i haven't quite figured that out did did you do you have any insight on that
1: no <laughs> you were really good because uh no i I am am a sound like a caveman. No, I don't have no insight really on that. <laughs> uh and and you know what if I did have I'm not going to pretend um you know like I said I I watch this show very passively so which is probably not great for podcasting but um you know I watch it very passively so I'm um you know most shows I'm pretty much you know even without trying trying to figure out what's going to happen next whereas this show maybe it's a good thing i'm kind of just along for the ride you know what i mean so yeah
0: yeah no i i i think there's that that that's definitely a very valid way to watch especially this season because it is very um it it is it's less sort of the known Um, Especially me being, you know, a person who lives in sort of the Western realm of mythology and uh, and ritual. And I also have a very difficult time, even with some of the stuff that I feel like I should know um, that borders on. okay, this is very Eastern. There's so much Eastern. ritual in it there's so much mythology that I have no idea about and so you end up looking at things very passively simply because there isn't enough information to kind of process through what else might be happening but from a story perspective I think that they do a really good job of keeping it fairly tight so I I do I, I appreciate that there's been a few episodes that I feel like were a little bit of misplaced um they were sort of misplaced um, the, in in terms of just how they uh, they expressed what was happening for us. Um, like it like it didn't quite meet the the mark in in terms of giving us enough information to go forward. But then later in in later episodes, they'll come back and all of a sudden it'll some things will start making way more sense. I mean, things that happened in that very first scene didn't even make sense until somewhere midway through this the season. So that I think feel like that's just sort of how you have to approach the show. You sort of can't approach it like you're an analytic um sleuth who's going to figure out all the puzzle pieces because the puzzle pieces are are like they're shapeless. And you just kind of have to watch the picture to be able to see how it's going to unfold. But but having said that, um, I I, just going back to uh, to Chester and his interaction um, with his twin, something that also not bothered me, but just sort of like really visibly shook me was understanding that that. Chester is now basically completely absorbed by a world that I don't feel like he had any ability to understand or even process before. And he has just completely been, like I said, absorbed by it, right? And it's, it's a strange sense of someone going from oh my gosh, I don't really know that much about this or I you know, don't really believe it. I've just heard all of the, the little ritual pieces. I've heard all of the stories, but I don't really believe them to fully embracing them and taking a trip basically into the afterlife, right? Right. Is, it, to, is, is that surprising to you as well?
1: Uh, not really. No. No. It, no. I don't know, like, I, I do feel like uh, with this show when you are when you um, have like a preconceived notion of what's going to happen or what's going to, so, well, don't get me wrong, sometimes it's totally that. Right? Mm, but mm-hmm. but I got to give this show credit for you know, definitely there's been times where I'm like didn't see that one coming. <laughs> you know? right, I, right, right. You know, so yeah
0: well the so toward the end of this uh toward the end of the encounter i guess all the ritual encounter with uh chester and uh and his brother um the thing that we see and the reason that i brought up the idea about the soul being a part of the picture is because mm-hmm. what we see and the reason that we know that Hugo now has him in the afterlife is that his brother is now missing from the picture
1: right yeah
0: And so that is sort of a big uh, and, you know, the other thing that's so interesting about this is that, you know, this is how Chester figures out if you're a Yuri, he, you know, sees that you're distorted in the picture and that kind of stuff. Like there's a whole lot of there's almost a whole other element to all of this with the uh, photography and, you know, not exactly. spirit imaging, but something really close, you know, some that th- there's some fascinating ideas around there. Um, Okay, so, uh, so the, I guess the, the, uh, I guess the other sort of before we go on to the camp real quick, the, the other thing that was sort of interesting was um, Doña Maria, right, who is the older lady that came over and was talking with the abuela and stuff like that. Um, Why was she holding uh, a a onesie, basically? She had made a onesie. And why was she holding that? Uh, Clearly, she wasn't alive anymore. What was going on with that? We know Yuko uh, must still be thinking that she is going to get a baby, right?
1: Right. right, right.
0: I I don't think that Yuko thought that she was going to get Chester's twin. I just, I don't think that that's what she thought. You know what I mean?
1: Oh, so you thought that it was gonna, it was gonna be something else?
0: Well, see, okay. First of all, Doña Maria. I I mean, this is it's complicated for me, but Doña Maria seemed like an odd choice for Yuko to possess. Very odd. But I understand sort of why that was the choice. What was strange was why was Doña Maria. Why was she knitting the onesie if Yuko or, well, I guess, yeah, I guess if Yuko thought that she was going to have something else out of it, it wouldn't make, something doesn't make sense. There isn't enough information, I think is the key. There just isn't enough information quite yet to understand what else might be happening simply because, but that seemed very purposeful for her to have that, that does not seem like an accident, you know? No, definitely not. Grandma doesn't just go around knitting onesies for, you know, altruism ideas or something. It just seems like, mm, yeah, there's got to be something to that. Okay, so let's go to the camp real quick. And um, and let's talk about what happened there. So one thing that was sort of interesting was the idea that uh, Chester and his, I mean, I'm sorry, Chester's mom and dad uh, have left. And they have gone off to be someone's gardener, basically. Um, and a lot of them have actually left, uh, they've, they have chosen or gotten something called sponsors and that lets them leave the, uh, the camp. And it's kind of a nice, uh, segue into how our, our government, how the military, decided that people were safe again. You know, the, it was like, well, we have to bring you back into society. How are we gonna do it? We're gonna do it by having someone sponsor you, be your, you know, if anything goes wrong, you're responsible for these people. It was, v- to me, that was just, uh, in some ways it was really heartbreaking. Just knowing that, you know, people that have as much pride as these people do are now completely dependent on the goodwill of their sponsors. I don't know. It just that one sort of really hit me. But what I wasn't surprised about was the way that uh Major Bowen went off the rails with Amy. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like that was it's been building ever since her mom introduced her to Major Bowen. And I, I'm not really sure that there was any way that that something like this wasn't going to happen. I, I'm it, that sounds really crazy, but honestly, he, the, the character of Major Bone was so off the rails that, like, it, it felt like something had to snap. Right.
1: Right. Yeah. Now, so is his actions. Purely because of possession, or
0: so okay. So I, I'm I'm sort of of two minds here, right? On on the one hand, I think he was probably always a bit of a, a hard nosed kind of person, and he, I think he believed in what he was doing. Uh-huh. But then I think that the supernatural touched him in such a way that it fractured his ability to see things clearly and without, uh, and without a, if you will, a distortion, right? Because, I mean, like, if you think back to how people are pictured, uh, when they're, when you see them as the Yuri, right, what you're seeing is sort of a distorted image of who they are. And I feel like that is a manifestation inside out as well, where there's like this distorted sense of reality and you're you, but you're not quite you. Right. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. It makes perfect sense. Yeah.
0: So, so knowing that, uh, one of the things that makes, that makes major bones so terrifying, I think, is that he isn't under the influence of anything supernatural anymore. And mm-hmm. his behavior is just as horrifying as just about anything Yuko has done, uh, and and the 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 two of those things in stark contrast are, uh, the it, it's amazing how much more similar they are than you would want them to be. I mean, it seems like they should be so different from each other, and yet, wow, they really aren't. So I I feel like that was really interesting. I also think that that this idea of a prisoner within a prison camp is also there's something so meta about that line, that storyline that it that it almost feels like there's another story inside of that story. Mm -hmm. Um, This idea that you can be free on the outside, but not on the inside is also just a really interesting uh, piece of, of narrative that I think is happening or happened with the Bowen uh, storyline where he was really a prisoner himself and he keeps manifesting or no, I shouldn't say manifesting. He keeps projecting out his lack of control over the situation by trying to control other people because he has no control anymore. And the, things like that have become to me, one of the really interesting and difficult to sort of digest, but very important aspects of this series. There's just so many little details about how not just people lived in the Japanese internment camps, but also what the ramifications were to both the people in the camps, their captors, the people around them you know, it's not cut and dry. It's not just sort of a, a one size fits all. It is one size fits all in terms of the morality of it, but it's not one size fits all in terms of who the people were and the complexity of what was happening. It's just, it's so multifaceted. So I have to give the show a lot of credit for that.
1: Yeah. And to wrap it into this kind of a uh, storyline and these, this kind of, you know, a uh, supernatural, uh, you know, you have to serve many masters.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. yeah that's a good point. One thing, uh, one thing though. <clears throat> okay. So the the thing that I really enjoyed the most was Amy's ultimate revenge. Um, yeah. when, uh, <laughs> I mean, there's no way that you couldn't possibly just love Amy's, revenge is the best word I can even think of, but it was more than revenge. It was like, there's a sense of just absolute justice about what happened there. That was, I mean, it, it that was over the top and crazy, but good, really good. And then, so the last piece that I want to just sort of uh, touch on before we go is clearly we know that Luce is pregnant, right? Right. Okay. So, and I mean, and that obviously might play into Abuela's, I, I'm sorry, Abuela's friend, uh, uh, Donna Maria. Am I, I playing to watch? She had the onesie. I don't know, but um, the the I'm wondering if this is all just a lure for uh, for Chester and Luce because we know that the only we've been told now through Hugo's uh, sort of story that the only way that she could bring anybody into the afterlife is if they are of her blood, right? Mm-hmm. And so in her, you know, want for a baby is a big deal. But I am wondering if everything that hasn't happened with Yuko uh in 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 the past couple of episodes is isn't maybe not very well thought out. It feels very chaotic on Yuko's part and I have a feeling that that's intentional. Like I think that they are purposefully trying to make us understand that the yuri is not about an intellectual ideology, or that there, you know, is some kind of philosophy that sort of stands behind the Yuri, but that the Yuri is kind of a chaotic, uh, needy spirit that is simply not one-minded, but singularly focused. And it, it just, no matter what, she is just going to keep going and keep going until she gets what she wants. Now, what that means for the next episode or two is sort of up in the air. But I have a feeling that in the end, uh, Yuko might get more than we anticipate that she's going to get. So I'll, I think I'll just leave it there. Do you have any, uh, what are your thoughts? Do you have any closing thoughts? Do
1: you? Um... oh no, my closing thought is, well, you know, tonight is the the next episode. So I think that um, you know, I'm just my whole thing is like, where is this going and is it gonna be somewhere that we wanna get to? So um
0: I, I think it will be somewhere that we want to get to. The the question is will we feel emotionally complete about where we get? Mm. Yeah, I think there will be plenty of resolution. I just think that the resolution may end up being not exactly what we would like to see. I mean, I, I actually, I foresee this as not being a happy ending.
1: Yeah, I don't think so either.
0: Yeah, I just, I don't think that there's any way that this turns out to Chester and Luce and the baby live happily ever after. And <laughs> and I mean, in, in one way, that's sad, but I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Say again?
1: No, and, that's, and I'm okay with that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Strangely I think so am I. I feel like the, the 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 characters now are they're broken enough that no matter what happens to them, any resolution that happens will be uh good for the story. The the question is how are we as the audience gonna feel about all this? I don't know. I guess we'll see. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna wrap it up there and um I wanna thank everybody for listening. Um I know sometimes I end up talking a lot through these episodes. Kinte I Thank you so much for being patient with me.
1: No, I love it. I love it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we know that Kente can actually, as a matter of course, just interject. So I trust that he will when he can. Yes. Yeah. So how do people find you all over the interwebs?
1: They can get me at Kente F on Twitter, Kente Ferguson on Instagram. And of course, the website is indyradio.org, I-N-D-Y org. I-N-D-Y how can they get you? People can
0: find me on Twitter at following bliss one, and you can find either of my websites at critical or movies, make the So until next time, which will hopefully be soon, we'll see what happens. God bless.